Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. I'm Charlie Wright. We're very glad you've joined us. Got a special treat today. We'd like to welcome back uh, for several, from several times, Brendan Ahern, Chief Investment Officer for Crane Shares, a family of China-focused ETFs. Brendan, welcome back to Strategic Investor Radio. Thank you for having me, Charlie. So, Brendan, it's always a, a joy and a pleasure to have you. You've been a repeated guest on Strategic Investor Radio. And interesting things are happening in China on more than one front. You guys now have 10 ETFs, and um, you have just finished a 10-city tour with a roadshow telling about the inclusion of mainland-listed Chinese securities into the MSCI Global Standard Indexes, which just started June 1st here. So you tell us what that means. Well, we're going to have you tell us today what that means. Let's start, for those who may not be aware, give us 30 seconds on who Crane Shares is. So Crane Shares is a uh, provider of China-focused exchange-traded funds, uh, we believe that the new China economic sectors, such as healthcare, clean energy, technology, internet, and the in, uh, e-commerce, will lead China's economy going forward. At the same time, China is opening up uh, the Shanghai and Shenzhen are the fourth and seventh largest stock exchanges in the world. China's onshore bond market is the third largest bond market in the world. And they've historically been excluded from indices due to a lack of access. And so we've garnered access in advance of these coming inclusions. Most importantly, Charlie, I believe we provide a balanced perspective on what's happening in China's economy and capital markets so investors can make an educated decision. You know, I'd like to build on that for just a second here before we get to our subject. Last interview, we talked about the One Belt, One Road project of China and that it includes, as I recall, 60-plus companies, uh, several trillion dollars, probably, uh, if not the most, one of the most ambitious commercial projects ever undertaken. And yet I read next to nothing about it in the press. We talked about that last time. I read the Wall Street Journal every day. I read Barron's. Uh, I read Fortune. And I see next to nothing about the One Belt, One Road project. So again, in 30 seconds, what does the financial press have against positive news about China? Well, I think ultimately it's, it's very hard to understand sometimes a country that maybe people have never been to, 12-hour time zone for those of us on the East Coast, uh, different language. Um, so I think one belt, one road, China has a very high savings rate. Those savings have been invested in infrastructure, both railways and highways, as well as telecommunication and technology. And China is going to be exporting that infrastructure know-how to countries within the emerging market and frontier world that don't have a high level of savings. And China is going to build, you know, help build that in order to build stronger economic ties. So we think it's uh, literally we're just a few weeks away from many of the um, initial investments. Uh, those projects are going to be funded very, very shortly. 
Uh, there's a number under the way, but uh, the One Belt, One Road is really going to start kicking off the next several weeks, and uh, we'll, we'll be certainly uh, very much excited about, you know, do we potentially hold the construction companies and the infrastructure companies that are going to make One Belt, One Road feasible? Yeah, it, it, it just sounds like a very significant opportunity. But that's not the focus of today. The focus of today, you guys just finished an eight-city tour giving a roadshow on this change of the MSCI Global Standard Indexes. Uh, so tell us about this and why it is such a big deal. Ultimately, investors over the last two decades have made a dramatic shift into passive investment vehicles, both exchange-traded funds and index funds. There's never been as much money invested passively as right now. Um, And ultimately, what that means is that index methodologies dictate what is owned and not owned by index funds and ETFs. But how well do we really understand those index methodologies? So last June, on June 20th last year, MSCI announced that a select number of Shanghai and Shenzhen listed companies would be added to their indices for the first time, that China had previously not allowed foreign investors into those markets. But they've done a number of advances over the last 15 years, uh, slowly opening the door uh, to a point where MSCI can add these uh, 226 securities. Now, what, why is that important? Well, MSCI has $13.9 trillion of both active and passive assets benchmarked to their indices. So the addition of these securities means a very significant amount of money is going to have to flow into those securities. Uh, within MSCI Emerging Markets, which has almost $2 trillion benchmarks, these securities that are being added uh, rep- will raise China's weight from uh, just about 30% today to over 40%. Just This isn't a one-time inclusion. Um, it's going to take several years to, to get these companies, their exposure, fully into the MSCI indices. Now, over four years ago, we listed MSCI's exact definition of Chinese A shares with our Crane shares, Bocera, MSCI, China A ETF. And uh, Tigger KBA. So, so we've tried to proverbially skate to where the puck is going by owning the securities that are being added, not only to MSCI indices, but that passive managers globally are going to be required to buy. Okay. And so, bottom line of all of that. So ultimately, um, investors don't have to wait for this um, multi-year dial-up where China. It's going to go from 30% to over 40% because we know the securities that we hold today in KBA will represent an additional 17% China weight within MSCI emerging markets. So we allow investors to be able to fully dial up that China exposure today without having to wait for their broad-based emerging markets index fund or ETF to do it for them. Okay, so this will mean that more of these Chinese companies will be purchased because they will be included in this index. Yeah, very much so. I mean, um, I think it, it brings up a, a, you know, a broader question of just, um, you know, China is just so much larger than other emerging market countries. Numerical number of stocks that represent China is four times as much as South Korea or Taiwan. 
uh, which are the second and third largest weights within MSCI emerging markets. So China's 30%, they're about 15 and uh, 12%. That China's, you know, China's just so, you know, India, right? You know, um, India, you know, India is less than 80 stocks represent the definition of India for emerging market investors. India has one third the GDP per capita as China. Um, China is a, you know, as the second largest economy in the world um, by GDP, is so much larger, Charlie, um, and that's why we believe that this historical lack of access, now that that's being resolved, there's going to be considerable amounts more invested in China in the years to come. But ultimately, people are going to need a good partner to understand what's happening there in crane shares with our dedicated, uh, singular focus on China. We endeavor to earn that trust. Yeah. Now, um, help us understand just a little bit here. Um, do you know the exact companies that will be added to the MSCI index? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, they're the holdings of uh, of our KBA ETF. Those full holdings are available on a daily basis on craneshares.com, and those are the exact 226 securities that passive managers globally just bought on June 1st. The next inclusion is on September 1st. Uh, this represents just 5% of the total weight of these companies is going to be allocated between this uh, this past June 1st and the coming September 1st. So, so there's another 95% more exposure to these companies is coming in, and that's what's going to raise uh, China from 30% to over 40% is MSCI will slowly dial up this exposure to the securities within, say, MSCI emerging markets and other broad-based indices over the next several years. Just, just you have so much passive money, you just can't go in and buy, um, you know, ultimately what could you know, be tens of billions, if not hundreds of bil- billions of dollars of passive money. You, just can't, you, you can't go in and buy that much of a security in one shot. So right, right. It's gonna, they're going to have to leg in over, over many, many years. I see. Well, uh, th- th- this is uh, certainly newsworthy here. Uh, th- th- let's ask some questions. Uh, you know, people are concerned about investing in China. You know that much better than me or anybody listening, I'm sure. Okay, so let's ask some specific questions about investing in China. Number one, financial leverage. Okay, over the past years, uh, this many people have seen this as posing a significant risk to the overall uh, Chinese economy. Tell us, how do you see financial leverage? So, so China um, does have a, a, a high debt-to-GDP ratio. What I think is going to surprise people over the next year is that ratio is very likely coming down. Having just returned from China uh, this past weekend, uh, spent a week there uh, meeting with a lot of uh, independent research firms, bigger research firms from big securities firms. Uh, It's very clear that China is aware of the potential threat that uh, this high debt-to-GDP ratio entails, but they're doing something about it. Uh, They're very much focused on deleveraging a lot of the big companies, that this is really corporate debt. It's it's not government debt. Um, It's not household debt. It's really corporate debt. So, So there's a big movement to uh, one, make it harder to borrow, so they're tightening monetarily. 
And then two, they're going to let smaller players that don't have a systematic or broad market threat, they're going to let them go bankrupt. They're going to merge some companies away. Uh, but I think I think the world will be shocked that that I be- firmly believe China's that the GDP ratio will be declining in the, in the next several years because there's a at a very high level a very much strong awareness of the potential issues that can implement or you know affect the economy and they're doing something about it. Okay, well that's uh, that's good news here. Um, question number two: We hear a lot about in China there are these state-owned enterprises SOEs. This include any of those, or are all of these completely private companies? Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so so the um, it's, it's it's interesting. So many of the private companies have listed uh, here in the United States, like an Alibaba or JD.com. So the, the U.S. listed Chinese companies tend to be private companies. Private companies also list on the Shenzhen Stock Exchange, which again is historically just been for. Investors in China, uh, foreigners have not been allowed. So that'd be like a company like Pingon Insurance, which is just a massive, massive company in China. That's listed on the Shenzhen. The state-owned enterprises tend to list on the Shanghai, Shanghai Stock Exchange. That includes uh, four of the largest banks in the world. So you do have a lot of big companies. So, so you know what's what's happening with this MSCI decision? Uh, yes, there's some you know securities within or KBA, uh, there are state-owned enterprises, but we do think there's a lot of reforms taking place. It's just uh, 14 right now on KBA, um, which is significant, a significant discount. To say, uh, okay, so tell us about corporate governance. Everybody <laughs> uh, believes that, hey, uh, the financial information, accounting information, etc., coming out of China cannot or should not be embraced uh, w- without a closer look. Uh, why do you guys feel comfortable and confident with the corporate governance uh, and accounting from there? Well, I, I think one, you know, we want to be very uh, diversified, uh, that we don't want heavy single stock exposure just in case uh, there is an issue with a company. I think that's in, in general a good policy for investors to right. have. And certainly what we're doing should be part of a broader diversified portfolio. You know, I, I've, go, I've gone all in, but no one else should. Um, so one, you know, we like the idea that we're diversified across hundreds of securities, you know, our largest weighting low single digits. So, um, you know, that diversity helps helps us uh, sleep at night. I think ultimately China endeavors as the second largest economy to be recognized as a um, global player, and that means adhering to global standards. And so just as the International Monetary Fund designated the Riambi a reserve currency back in October 1st of 2016, I think ultimately this MSCI decision shows that Chinese corporations have to adhere to global standards since global investors are going to be investing in these same companies that we're invested in. So so, so I think this corporate governance issue is, is certainly going to improve in the years to come, and certainly the trajectory is already in place um, that things are improving. Well, I I hope so. Now let's talk about the, the, the two-word... <laughs> The two-word challenge these days, trade war. So what should we be concerned about a trade war? And if not, why not? 
So, I mean, ultimately, we should be um, because we're, um, you know, um, most of us listening are invested in U.S. equities. U.S. technology companies comprise 25% of the S&P 500. About 15% of those earnings are generated in China. At the same time, when we looked at the portfolio, uh, the securities within our KBA or uh, this MSCI Inclusion Index, those 220-plus securities, uh, less than 10% of the revenue was generated outside of China. Not, not just in the United States, but just generated outside of China. So ultimately, I think um, the loser, there are no winners in a trade war, but U.S. equity investors ultimately will bear the highest burden because of U.S. companies tend to be global multinationals. A lot of those companies have a lot of exposure in China. At the same time, companies in China tend to be more domestically oriented and have very limited exposure to the U.S. economy. So that, that, that's, I think, something that hasn't really been told is just uh, if, if trade war rhetoric and implementation pick up, it's, it's, not, it's not Chinese stocks you should be worried about. It's, it's U.S. equities are going to bear the brunt of that. Well, again, that, that's very interesting because that is basically not the story that uh, I'm reading in the Wall Street Journal and elsewhere here. So uh, we'll see how this plays out. And we're not looking to be political. We're looking to be uh, financial and prudent here. So uh, what else were you telling the people on this uh, roadshow tour that uh, we haven't mentioned here, Brendan? Well, I, I think one of our um, one one aspect that you know with the roadshow uh, was one to highlight to investors the importance of understanding index methodologies. You know, we've all adopted the ETFs and index funds in a big way, but you know, how well do we really understand those methodologies? And Great we point. brought MSCI Great along point. with us. Yeah. Now you, you know, worked them you healthy. worked in index in the index world before joining Crane Shares, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've spent the last uh, 17 years in the passive investment space. I've worked for the largest uh, provider of ETFs globally, where I just, uh, out of uh, just good fortune, happened to go work for them back in 2001 as they were starting their ETF business. And uh, certainly, I've always believed that, you know, you know it's, it's, it's funny to me, Charlie, you know, you'll see these interviews with these CEOs of these major U.S. Finan- you know, and any financial firm, and they'll say, oh, this is such a powerful person, right? But ultimately, you know, MSCI's Global Investable Market Index methodology dictates how the largest asset managers, what they're invested in. And, and no one's read it. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I mean, uh, I have. I mean, I've got these long trips to China where I can plow through those uh, – 190 plus pages, but that 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 is the most important document in in finance. It's funny to me, you know. People will say, "Oh, now what book? You know, what finance book should you read?" And people will say, "Oh, you know, Ben Graham's The Value of You Know <laughs> Value Investing or yeah. uh, Reminiscence of a Stock Operator." Um, and yeah, I mean, I've read those books and they're great, but there's no single document that controls. More money, fourteen trillion, than MSCI's Global Investable Market Index methodology. Um, now, how many people have read it? I, I would argue, very, very few investors have that document up on their bookshelf. Uh, you know, the list is short. I'm sure. 
Uh, <laughs> for sure. Here. So, yeah, th- th- those are great points. And you having come from the world of indexes, you know, that's, uh, th- th- that's great news. And, you know, we had a different interview uh, with someone else uh, who had come from the world of, of indexing. And uh, he had uh, similar kind of comments. Uh, so uh, we get into these ETFs, but uh, we don't uh, often we don't really know what is there. So yeah, I mean, go ahead. I mean, this is kind of interesting. Sure, I mean, it's a little bit off topic from China, but three of the four largest ETFs globally are benchmarked to the S and P 500. At the same time, you know, wouldn't you agree that Elon Musk is one of the most iconic entrepreneurs of our time? Yeah, but yeah. Tesla isn't in the S and P 500. And now, why is that important? It's because hundreds of billions of dollars are invested according to the S&P 500. I mean, again, three of the four ETFs, three of the four largest ETFs globally are benchmarked to the S&P 500. We're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars are benchmarked to those three ETFs alone. Um, And that doesn't even include index funds and such. Uh, But Tesla's not in there. Um, You know, it's, 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 you know, very interesting when you really study these things. And that's, yeah. A lot of that study has gone into building our exchange-traded funds, is understanding these nuances. Yeah. So, uh, Brendan, uh, quickly, before we leave here, one belt, one road. Um, what, what do we see? How quickly do you see things uh, proceeding uh, on things and uh, possible opportunities uh, in your one belt, one road ETF? Yeah, I mean, we've worked with MSCI to construct a portfolio that uh, holds the companies that we believe will win uh, these projects that we're talking about, the potential for trillions of dollars um, in building roads and railways and airports and communication networks to allow for economic trade to take place between the 70-plus countries that have signed on to the Belt and Road Initiative uh, so, so we hold, you know, construction companies and pipeline company. Um, we've done our best to try to um, own companies within China as well as within the emerging market and frontier world that are go- potentially going to win these projects. And um, already, you know, they're build- you know, they've uh, built a uh, hydroelectric dam um, in in Pakistan. They're paving a road between uh, Lahore, Pakistan, and and China. Um, in Malaysia, they're building two different railroads are, ta- are being built as we speak, one in uh, the north and one in the south. And so this is happening. It might not hit the radar of, of, of folks here in the U.S., but, but this is happening. And over the next several weeks, there's going to be a significant uptake in the, you know, basically the disbursement of um, project deals. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's kind of an exciting time. Okay, so Brendan, for those who would like to know more, where can you go? www.craneshares with a K dot com. Okay, and again, uh, the, the exact ETF that is tied to the MSCI uh, index is uh, KBA Kilo Bravo Alpha. Okay, well, Brendan, this was uh, great to have this conversation. Congratulations to you guys on this uh, on this change with MSCI and to what uh, I'm sure was a very successful eight-day uh, road trip and tour. And uh, best of luck to you and Crane Shares in uh, bringing Americans the opportunity to um, invest in China effectively and productively. So thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Charlie. 
Again, we've been talking with Brendan Ahern, Chief Investment Officer for Crane Shares, a family of China-focused ETFs. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio. We'd love to hear from you at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. Go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. I'm Charlie Wright, wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host Charlie Wright or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing. 